Oregon's landmark experiment in drug decriminalization looks likely to meet uh, its end next month, potentially, as lawmakers in both parties offer up proposals that would make drug possession a crime for the first time uh, in three years. The strongest sign yet, the changes in the year, majority Democrats Earlier this month unveiled a wide-ranging proposal that would unravel a portion of Measure 110. That's the 2020 ballot measure that ensured users could not be prosecuted if caught with small amounts of illicit drugs. Now, under the bill, uh, lawmakers would make possession of small amounts of drugs like fentanyl, methamphetamine, and heroin uh, a low-level misdemeanor and give law enforcement more power uh, to prosecute dealers. Now, that's a nod to some of the anger, frustration, and angst many voters are feeling over open drug use in Portland and surging overdoses around the state. But it's also uh, a notable U-turn or course correction for a state that has attempted to prioritize addictive services, uh, addiction services sorry, to drug users over criminal consequences in recent years. Here's a report from CNBC. A drug disaster on the streets of Portland, Oregon, that some voters blame on a law they actually voted for. Measure 110 passed in 2020 with 58% of the vote, decriminalizing the possession of small amounts of drugs, even methamphetamines and fentanyl. Instead of being arrested, violators may get a $100 citation. But those potentially lethal drugs have a grip on the city that not everyone can survive. The potent drug fentanyl, man, is killing people. It's killing people. It almost killed me. Damien Phillips once called these streets his home, but is now in recovery. It's a lot rougher than anybody knows. I can say that, like going through the, like the withdrawals and everything. It's painful. For others, the pain is just too much to overcome. The police came and they were like, that person's not high. They've died on the sidewalk. Jesse Burke is a local business owner in the Old Town District who voted to pass Measure 110. But now she says open and blatant drug use has become the norm. City Commissioner asked me recently, what percent of the day do I see people using drugs? And I said, is there a number more than 100? Given what's happened, would you vote for it again? Absolutely not. Just because you see the ripple effect of what has happened. The law was implemented just as the opioid epidemic and COVID-19 swept over Oregon. The number of opioid overdose deaths across the state growing every year since 2019. Preliminary numbers show more than 600 people died in just the first six months of 2023. Law enforcement officials say now the state's fentanyl crisis is exploding. Numerous recent drug busts in the Portland area leading to historic seizures by county sheriff's deputies, all leading to calls to repeal or at least reform Measure 110. I believe the voters, when they voted for it, they didn't realize it was going to take away the penalties for criminal possession. Republican leadership proposing changes that include forced treatment programs, a ban on public use, and the reinstatement of some criminal penalties. Democratic Governor Tina Kotek announcing a plan to ask state lawmakers to ban public use while declaring a 90-day fentanyl emergency to refocus resources on the problem. The overdose epidemic that we're experiencing here in Portland is unequivocally a tragedy. Dr. Andrew Mendenhall specializes in treatment of substance use disorders. He's also president and CEO of Central City Concern, or CCC, a community nonprofit that helps the homeless. It's important to not overfocus on Measure 110 being the cause of all of the problems. Oregon has had an under-resourced behavioral health system of care for many years. Oregon has 
and affordable housing crisis that's been unfolding for many years as well. Anyone home? CCC's outreach teams, led by Drew Grabham, regularly visit people living on the streets, some struggling with substance use disorder. We actually have a mobile van, like a doctor van and a dentist. Do you have any wounds or anything like that you'd want to get looked at? Do you believe Measure 110 just needs more time? Absolutely. We and, need more and it time. Would be successful given Absolutely. more time. Absolutely. We need we need more services. We need more structures. We need more housing. We need more employment. Damian Phillips found employment with CCC's Clean Start Homeless to Work program, and he says another chance at life. What do you think is the best way for people to to find help or seek out recovery? CCC. What I'm doing now is I'm actually able to make a living and to give back to my community. That was a report from CNBC. Well, joining me now to talk a little bit uh, about the challenges in Oregon and perhaps what will this mean for British Columbia. Joining me now is Eleanor Sturko, BC United MLA for South Surrey and Shadow Minister for Mental Health Addiction, Recovery and Education. Eleanor, thank you for joining us. Jazz, thanks for having me. So what did you think of that report? I mean, there is a community in a state struggling with the issue of decriminalization. Some people having second thoughts about what is ha- what has happened there and many of them look like they're going to be supporting recriminalization. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, overall, it's it's a sad situation. I think that, you know, whether you supported, uh, you know, Measure 110 in the States, or whether you're a supporter here in Canada of decriminalization, I think seeing what we're facing both here and in the States right now is there is no joy to be found in any of these scenarios. But should it, uh, uh, should it provide us, uh, so perhaps a moment of uh, we should be rethinking what we're doing in your mind, um, because if, if this is introduced, going to be introduced next month, like literally weeks from now, uh, this is their conversation happening right now where they're basically saying, no, this is a course correction here. What should we take from it in regards to moving forward in regards to our program? Here? It's an absolute canary in the coal mine here for us. I think, you know, even given the fact that, you know, on the BC government's website and the page is actually entitled Decriminalizing People Who Use Drugs, so if anyone wants to go look, it cites Oregon as one of the sort of models that BC is looking at in terms of the success of decriminalization. Mm-hmm. And we look fast forward two more years from now and we could find ourselves in a position where Oregon is. But, you know, in our opinion, why wait yeah. um, until things get worse? We're already in the worst results we've ever had in terms of uh, overdose deaths in British Columbia. We have people struggling for services. Certainly we have a housing and a complex mental health crisis that we're facing. And I just think that, you know, there's so much more that we could be doing, even, you know, without decriminalization, if we actually recriminalize or stop ignoring the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act and and do similar to what Oregon is proposing, um, we would find some success in that. And what I'm talking about in terms of what they're proposing from some of the legislation I understand is that they propose, you know, having it sort of like our version of a summary conviction, so a lesser um criminal offense, but then individuals having through the court system there an opportunity to have those charges uh, expunged Mm -hmm. should they follow through with um, some treatment programs, which I think is a good way of being able to compel people into behavioral changing and life changing services you know, and and at the same time, ensuring that we're keeping a hold on different public safety issues that people are concerned about. What do you say to the part of the conversation is that one, one of the speakers laid into that story. You're talking about we have a affordability crisis, as they said, in, in Portland and in Oregon. There's challenges of needing more treatment. What if we were to address those issues in this province and continue 
doing what we're doing already because some, including the, the outgoing chief coroner, have said, you got to give this more time. Uh, and we've politicized this. What do you say to that? Well, you know, in a lot of the outreach that I've done recently, like I was just over in Victoria last week. I was with Seaspring Mental Wellness. We went out. We had a tour of just some conditions out on the street with people um, somehow surviving in tents, a lot of open drug use. There are people um, who will not ever be ready. Um, and and those for those people, those I consider those to be the highest at risk for overdose death people. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we're creating an environment that is recovery oriented and just allowing people to languish, you know, and to go on in a self-destructive and harmful and potentially deadly path is not responsible government. It is not how we show that we care for people in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. So having the ability to use... Um, you know, something like going back to the CDSA and then perhaps using our criminal justice system to help guide people towards recovery. So creating a true recovery oriented system of care outside of justice and then within our justice system is going to help guide people who might not otherwise get those opportunities into those types of situations. Because, you know, when we talk about housing, so, you know, we've also visited a lot and we've all seen on the news like Mm -hmm. some of the um, different SROs and very low barrier housing. When we put people into situations where they're even in housing, Mm -hmm. if they continue to have very self-destructive and behavioral health issues for which, you know, they're very hard to house, we're going to not be helping them. Honestly, it, it, we've seen it. It's, it's harmful to those individuals and to other individuals in that, you know, living in that place when we allow for that type of deterioration. And really, it's irresponsible for us to do that.